Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. As always, I'm your host, Josh Nichols, and on today's episode, probably the most different thing I've done yet, I am actually going to re-air, not re-air, I'm going to post the uh, a interview that I, I was on another podcast called Raising Golfers. Uh, this uh, this guy Travis, he he's an awesome, uh, awesome guy. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, he's a swing instructor over in San Diego. He he says he has an an interest, um, a goal, a mission of helping parents have a better involvement in their junior golfers' golf lives. Uh, so he had me on to to kind of talk about the mental game aspect of of that relationship between parent and junior golfer and what juniors need to do uh, to, to reach their goals and what parents should do in relation to their kids' um, golf. So I, I just want to post that here. Uh, I got permission from Travis. I'm not just ripping it from him. Uh, he said that would be awesome because however, however the word can get out that would help uh you know, parents in relation to their kids and kids in relation to their parents with golf somewhere between the two. Uh, however that information can, can get out, uh, the better. Um, so yeah, and it's, there's, there's information in here for, uh, every, everybody, not just junior players, not just parents of junior golfers. Um, we, we touch on things that kind of transcend any age or any gender or any role, uh, just golfers in general. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoy this one. Uh, this is, this was special for me to be a guest on a show. Um, so yeah, enjoy this episode and let me know over in the Facebook group, the mental golf show, Facebook group, um, what you thought of the episode and yeah, find you over there. All right, let's get into it. All right, Josh, I'm so excited, and welcome to the Raising Golfers podcast. Yeah, good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, today's chat's going to be really interesting because what we're going to talk about is something that I haven't had the pleasure of doing yet on the podcast, which is talking a little bit more about the mental side of the game with an expert like yourself, and also particularly with how that can tie in with junior golfers. Yeah, um, expert is... Uh, maybe a stretch, but I appreciate it. Um, yeah, a lot of the players I work with are are junior players, so it's it's definitely a, an area of expertise for me, uh, at least over the last couple of years. And of course, I was a junior golfer, so um, I'd like to think I have some some decent opinions in the area. That's cool. So let's hear where this all started. How did you get into coaching the mental side of golf? Yeah, so. Um, I've told this story a fair number of times, so I hope I have it down decently and concisely, but I, to take it back to, uh, college golf, I am kind of prior, you know, junior golf. So I, from the time I was 12 on, I wanted to play in the PGA tour. I wanted to be a professional golfer. So, you know, from then through college and after it was, that was all I cared about. So, I went to Appalachian State. Uh, you know, I'll get a degree, but really, I'm just trying to get better at golf. It was the it was the school that wanted me with the best, um, 
you know, scholarship offer and just all around best opportunity for me that I thought this will help me get better at golf. And, um, as is most people's case, they don't get, you know, dramatically better during college. They don't get as good as they want to be. Um, so I, I moved back into my parents' house after college and, and continued to work on it and, and had the, had the comfort of, of knowing that my parents were going to support me for as long as I wanted to do it really. It was kind of the way we talked about it. And so over the next four years, I'd say I just was working on it, practicing, um, not, but still really not getting where I wanted to be. And then enter my now mentor kind of boss kind of, um, still wears a few different hats for me. And then instructor Robert Linville, uh, he's, he's an instructor of a golf school over here, uh, close to me now in Greensboro, North Carolina called precision golf school. Um, and so I, I was looking around and said, I'm not getting good enough. Who do I need to go to that, that will help me. And I kind of found Robert and worked with him, you know, starting with just swing lessons um, but as we spent more time together, it, it developed into more mental game related talk and, um, the things Robert was able to do and the exercises he introduced to me that were really not even swing related at all helped me like kind of created the, the mortar that held all the bricks together, like the, the swing bricks and the physical game bricks, he filled those cracks in and helped me accelerate my improvement. And, and long story short, I had a, I, a year and a half of really good golf, uh, playing with him, uh, as my instructor. And, um, and I ultimately decided that professional golf was not what I wanted to do anymore. And, so at that point I said, okay, I got to move on. I got to find something else to do. I got to get a job. So I talked to Robert and said, what do you, do you have any suggestions for me? And he said, I think what you improved on can, you can help other players do the same thing. As much as you improved your mental game, you can help other players improve their mental game. So let's try this. And, you know, that was kind of early 2019 that we had that conversation. Um, and two years later, it's, um, I'm going strong, working with a lot of mental, uh, doing a lot of mental sessions with junior golfers that are some from precision golf school and some independent of my own. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been an awesome two years. Thanks to Robert. Really. I wouldn't be here without him. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I like that story a lot. And I think, you know, from your experience, you're, you've been able to now translate into a profession and then also share your experiences, probably the ups and downs that you've had, with junior golfers and adults on the mental side of the game. And I, I think that's so important. Now, who do you think mental coaching is for? Is there a specific type of player or can you scale it down to any type of player? I mean, it it would be bad business tactics for me to say it's only for this one player. Um, it, it definitely helps players that are going to be playing in tournaments more than just purely casual players. But even with that being said, I, everyone wants to play the game better. Um, there's, I don't know of anyone who, who says, 
I, I don't care to get better. And I also, on the same note, I don't know any player that would ever say, I think perfectly during the entire round of golf. No one says that. So the, with those two as truths of golf, everyone wants to get better at the game. And also no one feels that they think perfectly throughout the round. I think, I mean, I think the mental game can benefit everyone if, if only for the benefit of enjoying the game more, because that's a huge benefit of having a, a good mental game is being able to accept things and move on. And if you're hanging on to things and mad constantly throughout the round, then you're, you're probably not enjoying it as much. So while I would understand those players not investing in a mental coach because they, they don't have the same goals. Um, I think it can apply to everybody, especially players like junior players that want to get into college, uh, amateur players that play in tournaments, professional golfers that need to make a living. Um, and casual golfers that just want to enjoy it more. So really it's for everyone. I, I personally believe. Yeah, that's great. I mean, from my experience personally about myself and my own game, I would uh, believe everything you just said, and I've seen it myself as well. And I think it's really important. You said there is even just for the pure enjoyment of the game. Like I've found that myself, I've enjoyed the game more over the last five years than probably ever in my life. And my scores haven't gone dramatically up per se, but I've been able to still enjoy myself, not worry about those ups and downs. And um, one thing for me that's helped is just staying committed to one thing or staying committed to a process. And I'm not even sure how it all came about, but it's just really helped me so much. And that's just a small scale. And I'm sure from your profession, you know, you've got so many other tactics to add into that. I can say it's helped me a ton. So that's really cool. Now, parents want their junior golfers to play better golf. How do you involve parents in this process of helping junior golfers on the mental side? Yeah, it, this is a, a funny answer to that question is I try to uninvolve parents as much as possible. Um, and that's, that I'm not the I didn't come up with that to to say it's not my it's not my idea that parents need to be less involved not more. Um, Robert was the first one to kind of introduce that to me, and then I've heard it from all sources, um, and I'm sure it's something that's come up with you in in your recent episodes or in your podcast and in your life uh, dealing with junior players and parents is. Kids are, are, it's so tough to, to tell a parent how to parent their kid. And it's so tough to tell a kid how to be a kid in relation to their parent. But there, there is a fine line between what a parent should do and how involved a parent should be, um, in their kid's life and in their kid's golf development. And in my sessions with players, I try, I try as hard as I can to say on the parenting things, on the father daughter things, on the mother daughter things, you know, parent child things, non golf related. I am out of that. I'm not involved in that. You should probably listen to your parents in all of those cases. 
but a lot of the players I work with really butt heads with their parents um, as far as golf things go. And, and it's not always the stereotypical overbearing golf dad. It it's, I mean, it could, it comes in all forms uh, of, of any, any gender, any side of the parent that that it doesn't, there's no one constant there, but inevitably a parent wants to see their kid play better, like you said, and will do whatever it takes to do that. And the challenge is letting the challenge is a parent letting the quote unquote experts, the coaches, the, the people that do this constantly for a living with, you know, hundreds of different players or whatever it is to let them be the source of golf for, for that kid. Because what ends up happening is in my experience and in my own personal life is the more a parent is involved in the kid's golf, the more the kid will resent the parent. And, um, so it's like advice to parents to say your relationship with your kid will be better if you stay out of golf. It, and I think most parents think this is something my kid enjoys. I should be as involved as possible and that will help our relationship. And I, I've learned that that's, that's definitely not the case. Um, and there's no absolutes and some like to take it back recently, I, I don't know when you'll post this, but to the masters, uh, Xander Shoffley, he, his dad is still his coach and he's almost 30 or around 30. And his dad is still his coach. Justin Thomas, his dad is still his coach, very involved in the golf daily, constantly involved in their golf. So there's definitely no constants, but as a whole, in general, parents being too involved or sometimes involved at all, uh, in their kids golf leads to resentment in either direction. Uh, so I, I tried to say parent let's, let's let the kid have their versions of self-discovery and their versions of mistakes and difficulties. And let's not, let's try not to cushion them. And, um, and, and most parents are like, please, I kind of just want to be out of it. Please take my kid. So, uh, how involved should they be as little as possible in general? Yeah. I think that was a good explanation. And obviously you've, you're, <clears throat> excuse me, you're speaking from pure experience of what you've seen, not only just with yourself, but then also, you know, players that you've coached. And I think involvement sometimes doesn't have to be over involvement. It can be minimal involvement, like you said. And honestly, from what I've heard and talked to and seen, I think the biggest involvement parents can have with the best influence is just overall encouragement. And just like you said, letting the child be able to do a lot of their own self-discovery and encouraging your child to self-discover and develop as who they are, right? Because they are humans and they are, their children are brilliant and they can figure things out and get things done usually faster than us adults can. Yeah. So so that's, 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 if if I can interrupt, um, a kid, has has or the opposite doesn't have all of the burdens and the baggage that us adults have 
And to your point, kids are brilliant. They they have this creativity and this kind of innocence in a in a way that they without parental interference they can come up with things that we just would never would never even cross our minds so um and and maybe you were possibly leading to this if if a parent can instead of telling and instead listen and ask questions and find out what the kid needs and um cuz that's something i'm having to learn as as a coach of i need to tell less and ask more and because a kid gets told constantly throughout the day lectures in class whatever parents telling them to do their chores whatever constantly told 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 and they rarely get an opportunity to express and and be listened to and when it comes to golf and like post round like if you want to get detailed with it um if a parent if all a parent does is ask questions and and tries to listen to what their kid is going through went through it it would just it would make a world of difference because most parents say i noticed you did this on hole 7 um I think you should try to not do that. And that's a kid just in my experience, again, doesn't hear it. Just, it, it just hits their head and bounces off. So yeah, it's, it's, um, it's so hard. It's such a fine line, um, to straddle. But if a, if a parent can listen more, uh, they can, they can realize the genius, the innocence, the, the pure creativity that a kid can have. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And I would say for me, I've been a coach longer than I've been a parent. And uh, now I am a parent. And mm-hmm. I do start to see some of those things on the other side of the fence, you know, not just the coaching things, but also the parenting things. And that's helped me kind of develop who I am as a golf coach as well. And even more so as a parent. And I say, and I've said this before on the on the podcast, you know, parenting any athlete is very delicate. And like you said, fine line, I think it's the same thing, right? And it's not easy. It's difficult, isn't it? And, you know, some of this advice you're giving here, I think is huge for parents, but I think we have to reflect on it. And we have to remember that. And we've got to think about what our long term goals are. And maybe that's just to play golf with our children for the rest of our lives. And those things will help us cater to our children's needs even more. So I think that's really cool and important. Totally. Agree. Now we're going to, we're going to jump a little bit forward now from your experience. So from the mental side of coaching and your opinion, what are the big differences between players who quote unquote make it and those who don't? Yeah, this is obviously the million dollar question. Um, and I, I mean, I think it comes down to work ethic. Uh, if you could boil it down, um, and there's a million little variables uh, that I personally experienced, and because I I always had extremely good work ethic and extremely good discipline, and it took my skill to a level that I I never thought could could get me there. Uh, but I, at the end of the day, there were variables such as, you know, such simply as like money 
and um, you just the means to be able to do the things that you want. Um, I mean, ultimately, it was kind of drive and and want to continue on that prevented me from making it. Um, but something like I, I actually never turned pro, but I did make it to college golf, which is uh, knowing the, the audience of yours is probably is a, a lot of people are wondering how can we make it to college golf. I did make it to college golf. I, uh, nothing stopped me from getting there. So that was work ethic. That was um, attention to detail, working with an instructor, being coachable, listening to the instructor, uh, doing what the experts suggested. Um, because as a 16 year old, 14 year old, 15 year old, I didn't know what to do. Um, I, I look back then and say, I wish I had sought out more advice, not listen to less people. So, um, how do you make it to college golf work ethic, listening to coaches? Um, and I mean that I say that comes down to work ethic where most other kids my age who went to college but um, were also on the golf team with me but didn't make it to college golf, the major difference there was I would go to the golf course when they would go home and hang out and do nothing. And um, and I, like, I grew up going, I, I still do, but I grew up going to church and, and if you if you go to church as much as you can, and my friends would, you know, Wednesday night, you know, where were you, Josh, Wednesday night? Oh, I was playing golf and I was, you know, I was pursuing my goal. So like there, there are sacrifices in all areas of life that, um, if you got this goal of playing in college golf or ultimately turning pro or, or whatever, being the best golfer you could ever want to be work ethic cannot be ignored. Um, so, I think if you had to pin it on one thing, it has to be work ethic, discipline, putting in the time, putting in the quality time. That has to be it. Hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Totally. Now, is there any exercises that you do with like a new junior golfer that comes to see you on the mental side? Like a few like set questions you might ask them just to get a better understanding of where they are or maybe something that they can walk away with and think about. And for our listeners, the same thing that maybe somebody can try to do for themselves to just kind of help them and jumpstart them on the improving their mental side of the game. Yeah. So a, a major first thing that I, I ask a player is, um, kind of why do you play the game? Uh, what are your big goals? Um, because if, if the why is just to have fun and the, do I have any major goals? Nah, not really. Then first of all, why, you know, I'm surprised we're having the session in the first place. And that, that almost never happens. Everyone has goals. So those goals inform what we go and talk about, because if they say, I want to play in college, I want to be a D one college athlete and eventually turn pro, then, then how I invest into them is going to be another level up from, someone who says, eh, yeah, I just, I kind of just want to get better and like, okay, well, let's take this a little more casually, but a 14, 15 year old that says, no, I want to play it over here. Like a good school would be Duke or NC state or something like that. And, and okay, you want to get into Duke to play college golf. You gotta, 
Like we need to get going. Like you need, you need to step it up. And so that, that totally evolves the level of investment that I'll do with the player and the, the level of the standards that will hold the player to. Um, but then separately, something that I would always kind of prescribe to a player, a very common one that I prescribe to a player is something called a three in one exercise. Uh, and it's something the listeners can do. Anyone can do this. And um, it's something I did when I was trying to turn pro, something Robert Limville had me do. Um, and something I have almost all of my players do is every day, write down three good things you did from today. And then every day, write down one thing you could improve from today. And then don't stop there specifically. How do you plan on improving that thing tomorrow? And, um, the, the reason why I prescribe this is because across the board, almost every single golfer tends to see the negative things primarily. They, they say, oh yeah, I had that double. I, I shanked it on hole eight. Oh, I, I had a triple on hole 16 when everything was going great. So they rattle off the bad things. And then it's like, what'd you do well? And they really have to sit there and like, well, what, what did I do well? And if they make it a habit to like highlight the good things that they do, they shift their perspective from easily quickly being able to see the negative things, which never goes away. I don't think as a human, but you know, building the habit to be able to highlight the good things and see the good things and actually list them. And, and once you list them, you see them there on paper or on the computer screen of, I did those three things well today, whether it was a, a birdie or a good bounce back or a good workout, or I hung out with friends and I, I saw someone I hadn't seen in a while, or I, I went and worked, I did carts at the golf course. I made a little money, whatever it is, like you did good things and you, you as a negatively biased person is not going to inherently see those good things. So put a habit in daily that will build the strength of your, of your optimism, basically. Um, and that, that's just one of, a, of several different exercises that I would have a player do, but that one in my own life shifted me from a very low self-image of myself and my game to, you know what, I look at all these good things I've done. And over the course of two or three months of daily doing this act activity, I shifted from, I'm, I'm not as good as I want to be to, I see the value of what I, of the work I've put in. I see myself as a better golfer. And so I show up to a golf tournament and it made a real difference in the way I would carry myself and the confidence I would carry to the first tee throughout the round, knowing that I could make up for bad things because look at all the good things I've done. Um, that is, that's probably the biggest, most holistic self image, self belief boosting activity that I have players do. And it's, um, it's just invaluable. It's the most important thing I've, I've done as a golfer. Um, so all the listeners out there do that exercise. That is, um, that can help you really. And what I think is so important about the mental side of golf is not just the golf itself, like that task alone can help you so much even outside of the game of golf and just in life. And 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure a lot of the things that you do help players improve just their overall quality of their own lives outside of the game. I mean, have you seen that with players or have you gotten that feedback before? That one, yes, I I have, but I I I need as a coach, I need to poke at that more. Uh I need to ask players, okay, all we talk about is golf, but like let's zoom out a little. Do you notice the differences in your life from from these kind of from these exercises or the way we talk about things? Um and yes, I have noticed it, but I also don't I don't draw attention to it enough. I I make things just like in my own life when I was that age, I make things too much about golf. Um but if if my own experience is any any example of the value these things can have on my life. Uh, and it's the only example I know of, which I know it's not, but it completely changed my, just changing my self-belief and self-image completely changed my life um, to the point where, I mean, this is off topic a little, but it, it led me to meeting my now wife because I was notoriously embarrassed and ashamed to to talk to any any girl and, and like put myself out there because I just had a horrible self image about myself. Um, so to use this non golf example, it me building my self image using golf and using a basically golf activity helped me just be a better person completely. Um, and I need to I need to get that feedback from my players to to say, do you see this helping you? And if not, we need to work on why that might not be because that's there's there's nothing more important because you'll stop playing golf eventually. You'll stop playing competitive golf eventually. You might not make it to where you want to be on the LPGA tour or the PGA tour. So we need to let's turn inward and like, let's look at you as a person every once in a while, at least. So I appreciate you kind of giving me that reminder that I need to do that. I need to prioritize that. I think it's huge. I love that example Mm. you gave as well with your own personal life. And I think that's really big for listeners to hear because personally, when you're saying those things to list three positives, one negative, I was doing that two years ago for my own personal life. I stopped and I need to get back onto it. And you remind me of that. Mm. And it helped me tremendously. And then imagine if you do that for golf. And yesterday I asked my, I asked two students who played nine holes and I asked them, hey, what do you think you did well today? And they actually had a hard time trying to think what they did well. And then over about a five minute period, they started listing off some things. But imagine if they wrote those things down, like you said, and how they can actually build off of that. And I think that'll help with their mm-hmm. confidence. So I think that was, was a really good piece of advice to give everybody just to kind of kickstart us and then also see the light at the end of the tunnel of how the mental side of golf can help us in life and build our confidence as well, which is cool. So for sure, Josh, you've, you've painted a very well picture for us on Hmm. how important the mental side of golf is and its influences on us in the game of golf and on life. How can people find out more information about you and what you're doing? Yeah. So I'm, I, I try to be in as many places as possible, uh, across the internet. Um, First of all, my my personal website where that links directly to my coaching 
is foundationsmp.com for foundations mental performance. That's, that's my mental coaching business. Um, and pretty much everywhere on social, I'm at Josh Luke Nichols. Um, and I, I try to post things from podcasts I do, uh, to, to thoughts I'm thinking. Um, and I, speaking of podcast and I'm so thankful that you have me on this, but I, I have a podcast called the mental golf show. Um, and, and I interview people. I, I, I do things where I'm just talking into the mic, um, about the mental game of golf. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the thing that gets my most attention, uh, aside from working with players. So, uh, if anyone wants to hear more about the mental game of golf, they can listen to the mental golf show. Um, when they're done listening to raising golfers, of course. Oh, and I'll share those links in the show notes for sure. Okay, great. So Josh, last question for you. What are your final words of inspiration for raising golfers? Yeah. Um, it, to, to talk to maybe both demographics that listen to this, first of all, to parents, um, listen to, your kids in relation to golf. I won't tell you how to parent, but listen to your kids in relation to golf. Listen, ask questions, uh, find out what they love, what they need, why they're doing things, um, what tournaments they want to play in, why they want to play in. Just ask questions, listen. Um, and to players, work really hard. I mean, it. there's no getting around the the amount of time and the quality of time that you need to put in um, schedule your time, plan your time, make your time more valuable and, and just higher quality. Uh, there, you can't be, I, I don't know of someone who, who can't have, who, who didn't have high enough quality of time. Like you, you can't, your time cannot be high enough quality and, um, just, just put in the work and trust that, you might not reach your goal when you want to, but you will reach it eventually if you put in the time. Uh, no one can guarantee when or how hard it will be, um, but oh, with enough time, you will. It's it's like chopping down a tree. I say that I say this analogy all the time. You're you can't show up one day and push over a tree, but you can show up every day and chop at a tree over and over and over and. If you get caught up in the tree falling down today, you'll get frustrated. You'll wear yourself out. But if if instead you say, all right, my job today is putting in quality chops at the tree. That's all I care about. And then I'll show up tomorrow and do it again. And if I need a rest day from all the chopping, I will take the rest day. But every day my job is putting in those chops and the tree will come down eventually. You don't know when. You don't know how hard it'll be. You don't know how, how long it will take. But it will come down eventually if you keep chopping. Um, and to every junior golfer out there, that's that's the key, is quality time and focusing on the long-term process. Perfect. Love that. Josh, thanks so much for going on the podcast. You shared so much with us, and I think everybody's going to take so much away. So thank you again for coming on. Absolutely, Travis. This is a real pleasure. Okay, I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed uh, participating. Uh, Travis is an awesome guy. Uh, so I'm, I'm subscribed to Raising Golfers. I highly recommend you 
you subscribe as well. Uh, he's got a lot of awesome stuff in there. He's he's thrown in a lot of episodes already just since last August. Um, yeah, so highly recommend that. Uh, probably for, I, I haven't dove into every episode, but you could probably glean some info from every episode, from any different topic, no matter what role you are in the game of golf, whether you're a player, uh, everyone, everyone listening is probably plays golf. So you can, you can glean some value out of his podcast, I'm sure. So go subscribe to the Raising Golfers podcast. Um, yeah, and learn, learn as much as you can about the game, uh, from, from any perspective. So I highly recommend it. Uh, and if you want more from me, you can follow me, like I said to him, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Um, and, and like I always say, and I'll continue to say, because I love what's happened so far in this community, the mental golf show, Facebook group, head over there, become a part of the community. Uh, you don't have to contribute. There are people that contribute. You can just sit back and watch. Um, but I highly recommend you contribute because we all have something to say about our own game, about our journey in, in how we improve our mental game. Um, so I'd love it if you came over there and contributed to the community. Um, and at the very least, just, just join and notice that how there are other people, uh, going through the same things as you. So I will see you over there on the Facebook group. Can't wait. All right, catch you guys in the next one.